Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Very special guest. I have with me Cherry from Crimepedia. Hello. And go ahead and um, blog your stuff. <laughs> uh, so I am one half of um, the presenting duo for Crimepedia, and we cover cases across the world, really. I kind of handle the European side, and my co-host Morgan handles the American side, and we just cover cases that are unsolved and people that need a bit of help with their cases and stuff. And yeah, we've been doing that for nearly two years now. Oh, has it been two years? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And I've been on y'all's show like twice. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I've never, this is the first time I've hosted, well, the first time I've hosted you. I know. Uh, I haven't hosted Morgan. And Morgan, I, I was try, I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, I don't know if he would come on here. He would. For this. He so would. He, oh, he yeah, would, I'm sure. He but so I was, would. <laughs> but also Morgan... Like he he and I had chatted before. Like he and I have like a a mutual love for like vinyl soundtracks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you do. And uh, and I have like another pod that I recently started called. It's a horror podcast. Okay. I was like, I, was like, I bet I could get Morgan on that. I bet. Oh, he'd totally. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Although he is the biggest, he's the biggest scaredy cat. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't like like um he won't watch horror films and he doesn't like oh. it if like you scare him. He doesn't like the the like, anticipation of being frightened. So he uh, won't he won't do anything he, like that. He won't watch scary films with me or anything Good. no <laughs> he's a wuss <laughs> but today um i invited cherry on because about a month month and a half ago or so mm. i got just a random message <laughs> as you and, do uh, for me yeah um normally it's like hey what do you think about this what do you think about could this 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 and, and we just talk but yeah. i got this random message that was just like hey i'm going to go see an autopsy <laughs> And I was I like, all right, well, that's what we're going to record about. <laughs> You're the only person that I knew that I could tell that wouldn't go, what? Why? <laughs> like, why are you doing that? You're the only person I knew would understand my excitement. And that's, yeah, that's why I knew I'd get a good response from you, which obviously I did. <laughs> so what? made you want to like wh what made you do this to begin with so i um i obviously i'm a grown-up uh, at school i wasn't interested in stuff like this but um as i got sort of late teens early 20s i started to be more interested in forensics and stuff like that but i had had my daughter early 20s so really my first priority was like mum business and taking care of her but i always said that when she was old enough to then i didn't have to be home at 3 30 and i didn't have to be home to cook dinner early um that then i could go back and do the stuff that i'm interested in so it was always a plan long term for me to do it and now she's off to college so i don't have to be home dead on three o'clock anymore i don't have to be going to school plays and stuff so now it's time to um 
to do some stuff for me. So I decided to go back to college in the evenings and I've been doing um, my maths again to bring that up to a good standard and now I've been doing science so that I can go on and do pathology hopefully and there's a a really good job that I'm really interested in that I'm hoping I can sort of get the qualifications for so that perhaps I can go and do that so when the opportunity came up for this I thought yeah I'm gonna do I'm gonna go and see if I can do it because it's all well and good seeing stuff on photos which we do in our, in our job we see a lot of crime scenes we see that kind of stuff and it's okay in pictures you kind of I wouldn't say get desensitized to it but you kind of get used to seeing that kind of stuff but then to see it firsthand and to experience you know dead people and the process of what happens I think it was very different and so I wanted to see if I could if I could do it and if doing all this work is going to be worth doing, because you don't want to do all this work, then get there and go, oh, no, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> but the funniest thing, there was a man at the, there was a man there that was next to me and he was the whole time just going, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was just, I was like, look, you're going to have to stop doing that because that's just horrible. But he was like going, oh. <laughs> I was like, just go outside. It's almost contagious when they start doing that. Yeah, too. just go outside. And he had like um, a Vic vapor rub, this like, I don't know if you get that over there. And he's like slowly yeah. put his hand in his pocket and then he like brought his hand up at like as if he wasn't really doing anything. And then he's like rubbing his face like this with this Vic. And I was like, mate, that's just <laughs> just not going to help because you're still heaving. It's just, <laughs> it was so funny, but I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> so you've always been interested in this kind of stuff then? Yeah, from really young. Okay. I think the whole the whole process, I think the whole death process just fascinates me and people find it really weird, but the whole how people die, why they die and the whole exploration of finding out those kind of things and what's happened mm. in your body to you know for you to die is it, it just always fascinated me. And see we have two different experiences in that regard mm. because I was in I was interested in forensics and I went to school for criminal justice but mm the career paths in criminal justice are kind of lame. They're kind of boring. Right. So I was like, I'd like to do something more interesting. So I was like, some sort of forensics would be great. Yeah. So I went into more like computer forensics to begin with. But while I was in the process of school for that, my the death investigator job came open and I had no idea what it was. <laughs> and I'd never been particularly interested in that mm. kind of stuff. But it was forensics. It was better than the job I'd I was working at the time mm. and I was like, yep, this, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I have no idea what it is, but this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> Just gonna give it a try. Yeah. And then I show up and, and, and I've talked about this a lot on the show where the, job was death investigation specialist. It wasn't just a medical examiner investigator and it wasn't just an autopsy tech. They combined the positions. Mm. So you had to do two. Most people that apply for a death investigator job, you're just a death investigator. Yeah. You don't do the technician stuff. Yeah. There's no expectation that you have to do the other. Um, and that that has not always been the norm um, mm. where I worked. They had separated them once upon a time, but they couldn't keep staff. So there was actually a girl I worked with there who, uh, funny enough, well, there's a couple people, but one of the main ones at a certain point, they had the two positions, but then they combined them, but you didn't, they didn't force people to do both if they didn't want to, to opt oh, in okay. as they called it. Yeah. So there was one girl who started as a death investigator and she had no, like, <laughs> she was like, I am not cutting open <laughs> not anything. <laughs> no, so she never opted in. So she was, uh, as I worked there, she uh, she went on and got promoted for some other, other stuff later. But she, uh, she was a great investigator, but she was just absolutely, she's like, I'm not, this is not the job mm. I signed up to do. And I was like, well, unfortunately, I signed the dotted line <laughs> for both. <laughs> 
and yeah, it was jarring first yeah. time walking in there. Again, that's like your experience. You walked in, you're like, I want to see this. I was like, I, I guess I'll see this. Yeah, if I have to, <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah, but again, I if it was so terrible, I would have left. Yeah. It was yeah. jarring. It was very yeah. like, oh God. And it, yeah, it's one thing to see it. And then mm. it's another thing to stand next to it. And then it's another thing to actually do it. Mm. But you do 100, 200 cases. And mm. at a certain point, it becomes very second nature, like any job. Yeah. And you're like, this is, yeah. It, it, then you start finding like, oh, this is really cool. Mm. It's just so interesting. I find it so interesting. And then, it's like you say, it's the first time that you see something like that really close to you. It's like, whoa, can I handle this? Am I going to be all right? Am I going to be, am I going to start to feel sick? Am I going to start to feel a bit weird? And I just <laughs> wanted to see if I could do it because I thought, you yeah. know, it's one it's one thing seeing somebody who's died um, that's near you. That's one thing. And, you know, some people can't even do that. And I think, I believe that it takes a certain person to do a certain job. There are jobs that I know that I wouldn't be able to do and then there are jobs that like with this I know that like my friends are like why like you're crazy (laughs) why do you want to do that and they just they just don't really understand the whole I just think it's fascinating I just think it's really fascinating yeah and there's jobs that I would look at that I was like I could never do that Mm. like because we would have people show up that would uh, be like transporting a body and sometimes the transport people are just like an EMT ambulance mm. type people and they'll show up and drop off their and they're just like god bless y'all we can't do what you do i was like i would have a nervous <laughs> breakdown if i was an emt worker i was like i yeah. could never do that no. like that straight like someone's life in my hands i was like i'd be like I, we're all we're all going to die yeah that's, <laughs> that's exactly the same as me yeah. there were two nurses that were with me not obviously but they were there with i was in the little group and they were two nurses and i said i, I couldn't do it i couldn't deal with live people i just i just couldn't do it because i don't know i think when, when they're dead you can't kill them anymore can you (laughs) you know when they're alive you know you make one mistake and that's it it's whoops oh I'm really sorry so for me I just think I'm far too scatty for that and I'm far too I think it would upset me quite a lot if you had to deal with children and old people I think Mm. I'd be upset with the I can't help you I can't make it I can't make the pain stop I can't you know because you you can't the pain would get to me yeah because that was something like someone said that like when I first started like when yeah when they come here like it's over. It's just That's over. That's right. You know, that might be depressing. It might be sad, mm. but the pain's gone. Like yeah. You don't have to watch that. No. And you do the best for them as you can yeah. from this point on. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I couldn't do the EMT stuff. I mean, people just writhing in pain. I was like, I don't know. what. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No. So I imagine how things are done here and how things are done there mm. are probably slightly different. Describe like the facility that you went to. So it's it was just like a I don't even know it's like in the the hospital and it's just like you were where there was a screen and you could watch from the screen and then when everything was finished you were invited down if you wanted to because not everybody wanted to you could go down and then they had like a side bit that if you wanted to go they had parts that you could then look at so they had but they had not human parts because obviously this is part of like the teaching thing I was doing they had animal parts they had pig like a pig heart they had the whole system from the throat all the way down the respiratory system of the pig as well obviously this wasn't in the same room as the autopsy this was separate in in another room but you could actually go in and see because obviously this is a person and it was an observation that we were watching um so you couldn't actually take part in the autopsy that was happening you could just observe and so that the lady that set everything up for us we then went into like a I guess like a lab kind of thing and she had lots of different things we had like a pig heart then we had obviously the respiratory system and we had a kidney so I've never I've never seen like I've seen kidneys but never actually held an actual kidney in my hand and so we were 
were able to dissect the kidney so that we could see it open. And when you open up a kidney, it looks like a pomegranate. It's like the weirdest thing. It's got all these like little tiny pockets and stuff. And now I understand from reading autopsy reports and about the the um, the color and the feel of the kidney and that there's no, it's not supposed to be grainy and it's supposed to be nice and smooth. And mm. now I understand like by that. So we kind of went in and the first thing I think you notice when you first get in there is the smell. There is this, I don't know how to explain it. It's, mm-hmm. I think you don't know it unless you've smelt it. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a dead smell, but it's, um, it's just really strange, a really strange smell. It's not super putrid. No, it's not smell. like moldy. It's a dead smell, but it's just like it's. I think when a lot of people think dead smell, they think more decompositional, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's that's it's not the same. No. The decomposition it can be rough, but yeah, that doesn't mean if you have a fresh body, you're not going to smell it. You're going to smell something. There's just a general. Mm. There's just a, it's a funny smell. Yeah. And sometimes that could also be compounded with, especially if you're in a morgue setting, everything's constantly being cleaned with bleach and stuff. So you'll get a certain clean chemically smell with that. It's kind of like a hospital smell. Then it's kind of like mixed with like a butcher smell. So if you go into the butchers, you get that like meat smell. And it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's like the irony kind of metally smell. And then you get like the very clean, like chemical smell. And it's like, it's a real weird mix of the two. But the weird thing is, is even with a mask on, you can kind of taste it. It's like, (laughs) you can taste that funny. And it was like, (laughs) in the end, I kept getting like waves of like um, cheesy kind of smell, like a cheesy Dorito (laughs) kind of smell, you know? I think it's put me off of sour cream and chive crisps now forever. (laughs) Because it was like, I was like, kept getting this wave. And I said, to the, I said, can you smell that? And the lady's like, what? I said, I can smell like sour cream, like cheesy smell. And she was like, yeah, I keep getting that. And I was like, it's a really weird, really odd smell. Yeah. But even from but like the screens and stuff, you can still smell it. And it's like, um, <laughs> but the thing I think that, I got from it most was like there's so much guts like I don't know how you fit all of that into into a body like there's so much of it it just Mm. goes on and on and on and it's super heavy and it's I was just like when you know when they I was thinking that I was going to be I said to you beforehand I'm I'm a bit worried about the whole eye business because I'm thinking I'm going to be a bit squeamish with the eyes but I was thankfully Mm. fine and I was down the foot end when they took the when they took the liquid from the from the eyes so I was I was thankfully down the other end but the you know when when they do the, the the back incision from the ear to the ear and flop over the the scalp skin before yeah. they start to cut the the skull mm-hmm. like i was like wow that is just it's like a walnut you kind of like <laughs> pop it off and there's this little brain in there and the brain was like it wasn't what i thought it was going to be i was expecting it to be like i don't know like gloopy and drippy <laughs> i was expecting it to be yeah. a bit like that but actually it was quite it's amazing like an and like, oh, I was just like, wow. And it's quite big. Like, it's quite a big thing in there. It's it's very, it's like gelatin. Very gelatin. Yeah, like, yeah. on the fresher body. Like, if you if it's decomposed, it actually it's does like turn soup. to goo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to gross people, listeners out. It's like, it's just what it is. Like, yeah. it, it gets very everything breaks down and becomes more liquidy in the body. She said it's kind of turns to like blancmange very quickly. Your brain will, it doesn't, unless you put a fixing agent in it. She said like it, it will blancmange quite fast. Yeah. The fixing agent that you talked about, that's Mm. formalin, 
I don't know. I don't honestly know if there's a difference between like formalin and formaldehyde. Mm -hmm. I want to say they almost go interchangeably, but formalin is what we would just refer to it. And yeah, that's for if there's something that a doctor needs to see specifically in a brain and they don't want it to, and they need it to be fixed. Like that's literally what it does. It holds everything in place. So they'll, they're like, Hey, go fill up a bucket full of formalin and they'll put the entire brain in there. Um, Okay. So the organ, you didn't hold actual like human organs. So only the heart, only the human heart that I held. That was the the only one I held. And then the dissecting stuff we did with, there was just animal parts in their like lab that they've got down the hall. Now, was this a medical examiner's office? or like a hospital type it was like a hospital like a hospital um i don't know if it's like a teaching like a teaching college like a hospital in the hospital so it's like the teaching area that we were we were in we could watch it in the the mortuary bit down in the bottom of the hospital and then down and round into the like teaching lab and then go and see what they were doing down there did they say what kind of case it was so it was a woman who was um early 30 i was so excited i was like every there's so much information that they're saying and so many words and i'm thinking god i've got to look that up because I'm not a medical student so I don't really understand that word there's words that I've heard that you know roughly know but like there was loads of different things that he was calling out and talking as he was going and how the, the woman that was there they were sort of I don't know if they were reco- I don't know if they record it but they had like um he was like constantly talking so I guess somebody's going to type that up later or something mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the lady was then sort of like telling us as we were going what he was doing, what he was going to do next, why he was doing that, that kind of thing. So she was kind of with us. Yeah. So it was so it was a woman, a young woman, um, uh, mid. I think she was like thirty five. It was asphyxia. So she had suffocated. What was it? Asphyxia, and then it was something to do with her brain. Hypoxia. That might be what it was. It was something to do with asphyxia. So it was something to do with that because I remember that they checked the, the check the inside of the brain for any bruising or um, clots or anything. He was saying that they were checking for any sign. Oh, any signs of any like trauma to her brain which there was none there was everything was clean inside everything was good yeah. but it was something to do with she was asphyxiated i don't i don't remember how but that was what it that was what the official thing was it was asphyxiation so was it like a homicide or no 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 I, no no it okay. was a i don't think it was just normal i don't i don't think it was anything it wasn't that i don't think i'd be allowed to watch one something like that homicide but yeah i think yeah. it was just he didn't actually say why what why it yeah. was and you, so the setting you were in, cause we have, you know, I worked for a medical examiner's mm. office, but most hospitals have like a pathology department. Yeah. Here. I think that's probably, Stout- yeah. Yeah. And they don't typically they don't get homicides no. and that kind of stuff. No. Usually that almost by law, it has to go to an Emmy's office. I would think that's that. probably the same. Yeah. yeah. So yours is more, um, you you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Nicole. Yeah. And Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she does. Yeah. So but still, it's cool that they actually let you come in the room and like, oh, do that kind of stuff because yeah. we did that. Um, every so often because we would have tour group like we talked about we've had tour groups mm. and trying to get somebody to pass out was sort of a game <laughs> sometimes the that- whole rib business is i think the thing that most people sort of went Oh, like when they did the. Did ribs. you hear it? Yeah, like this okay. actual crunch. Like it's. Yeah. But they get like these bolt cutters out. They're like gardening tools. They're like huge. Yeah. And then like take the ribs out like a like a little cage. It's like a little you know like those um sugar cages that you make that you put like ice cream in and stuff. It's kind of like that when they take it out <laughs> and it's like hey look at that. and I was like oh wow look at that. I think I was a bit more enthusiastic than some of the people that were there I think they had to do it because you get like medical points for four hours of this that we did it for Mm -hmm. you get so many points towards like your medical stuff and so like they were there I think because they had to be whereas I was there because I wanted to to see what everything (laughs) Mm -hmm. and how everything worked and whether or not it would be something I could do but yeah it was it was totally amazing 
absolutely amazing. So this was a, we'll call this a a, a trick of the trade. Okay. um, Where did they, did you see the the tool that they usually, it's called like a T-bar? It's in the shape of a T and and the end of it has sort of a wedge type. Yeah, like a, looks like a crowbar at the end. Is that the one you mean? I mean, it looks like the the whole thing looks like a T, but that's usually what they, what we would use if you're trying to wedge something. If you're like, usually if we were sawing the head open, Mm. you would use the end of the T-bar because you grip the handle part and then you sort of wedge it into the thing and uh, snap open the- Flip it, yeah. 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 A trick of the trade we had, if we were trying to mess with somebody- So mean. Was (laughs) we would- So mean. If you're saw, if you're using the autopsy head and you're not like mutilating anything, you're not. No. You, you would just you would saw kind of the head just enough, like not completely all the way through. Yeah. Because you knew if people were standing there and you used that T bar, if you didn't saw kind of all the way through, when you went to separate it, it made the crack sound crack, really yeah. loud. Yeah. So you would just you would just saw just enough. So when the people so were standing there, you would mean. do that and you would just go crack and. <laughs> And watch everyone wince and try not yeah. to be sick. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you didn't have to try at all. Sometimes when you took, uh, for most of the cases, we had to take the testicles out. Oh. And when people saw that, that usually, and usually guys were the ones that were just like, okay. You do enough. that from inside, don't you? Do you pull them yeah, out from, from the inside? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so mean. That's, yeah. That's interesting about the, that they had like, uh, like animal sections yeah for y'all to sort of because we didn't have that kind of, well, i mean we couldn't have we didn't keep that kind of stuff there yeah i think it was something to do with the course though that i'm doing i think it was that wasn't set up by the actual hospital like the the people uh, that we went to view that was like down in i think they set that up through the college that we went and did that but it was it was great because we we i got to see the hyoid bone in the throat the hyoid but is it called mm-hmm. a hyoid but yeah so we got to see that so so when i didn't realize how big a tongue is either oh my <laughs> god like your tongue is not just the bit that's in your mouth it go it's massive when you take it out like yeah, it's, it's huge well it comes out with the the tongue comes out with the neck organs yeah and then it usually and it's attached to kind of the aorta as well so yeah it goes all the way down to like, om- like the almost the pelvis area it's crazy when they take it all out it looks like the only way i could describe it like to my to my husband i said you know when a baby chick has got no feathers yet and it's got this big like bobbly head with this big beak and then it's got a really thin neck and then a bulbous body that's kind of what it looks like when they take the lot out it kind mm-hmm. of looks like this floppy kind of weird shape um <laughs> and so they they let us when we went into the training room room we got to take the aorta away and cut through it and then so when we cut down through from the back of like where the tongue is in through the see i don't know any of the technical terms but in through like the throat and the voice box and where all that is you can we like cut down through and then she said like if you it's very difficult to cut through it feels like it's bone but obviously it's cartilage and Mm. trying to cut through it with the scissors and then you like crack it open and as you crack it open it pops up like those kids toys that you get and it just goes and it's like i was like oh (laughs) oh my god good it was yeah. like, it was, but I think the thing that, that I think it's very amazing, like how the human body, how all this stuff just happens, like the heart, for some reason, I thought that the heart would be fleshy. I thought it would be like really soft and fleshy and it's mm-hmm. a lot harder and a lot more compact than I thought it was going to be. So that yeah. was really I don't it's know why. Yeah, exactly. And like the lungs, for some reason, I thought that when the lungs inflated, you could kind of see through them. 
I don't know why I thought that, <laughs> but I thought like when they inflated, you'd see. I didn't realize that the that your lungs are actually so hard as well. And when you sort of cut yeah. through them, you can see all these tiny little tubes in the lung. These just tiny, cute little tubes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that as humans, the way that we work and the way that we're able to function just on a daily basis, the fact that your heart beats every second, every single day for sometimes 90, 100 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's mind blowing how that actually, how that works. And it, it's mind blowing that how all that stuff in your body just is there. And I think, <laughs> I don't know how, like, if you have to go and sort of, you know, as a pathologist, find out how somebody died. I just think that's such a cool job to go in there mm-hmm. and investigate because you know that by seeing a certain thing in somebody's eyes maybe so then that makes you think okay well it could be this 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 and this so we'll now check through a process of it could be this let's check that off it could be this let's check that off mm-hmm. i just think it's i think it's amazing it's just so clever pathology at least over here pathologists are a spoiled bunch <laughs> they uh when especially like by the time they get into like med school mm. like they're and i and it, <laughs> I'm not taking them down a level, <laughs> but they know, yeah. they know that their job as far as compared to other doctors, like medical doctors, when it comes to like those that are going to go on and have their own private practice and stuff, mm. that's their that's their life for the rest yeah. of their life. Yeah. Pathologists know they've got it way more laid back. Yeah, definitely. They might be on call, but it ain't, they don't have to, most times they're on call, they're not having to go somewhere mm. in the middle of the night they know there's no emergency phone call that they have yeah to that's true to. yeah especially where i worked we were kind of the liaison in between so if a coroner called in the middle of the night to report a case they weren't talking to a doctor they were talking to me yeah and most of the times i knew if it was going to come in you don't even have to call a doc you just yep it's coming in bring it yeah. in and you start writing the report there at three o'clock in the morning but sometimes this is where like it, there would be some some point of contention sometimes with some of these doctors where you'd get a case you'd get a phone call and you knew this case is not coming in the coroner shouldn't have even reported it mm. and you know you've got to because the way this agency worked i wasn't allowed some agencies are different some will let you do this some will let you tell a coroner or whoever, hey, we're not bringing this in. That's okay. my call. This agency was not like that. It had to be a doctor that said no. So I can listen to a case and I could know I've done this long enough like this is mm. you're and you're kind of irritated because it's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you're like, why did you call me with this? <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So you're like, okay. I was like, let me talk to a doc because you didn't want to just like, as much as you want to be like, no, we're not bringing in. If you yeah. did that, they would be a little bit edgy with you yeah so you were just like yeah let me uh let me see how a doc's in a they might bring it in they might not you hang up you're like there's no way no way (laughs) there's no way but then you had to call the most of the docs when you call them in the middle of the night they're cool i mean they know that's their job but there was some that was just like it's three or four o'clock in the morning and they're just this is where you wanted you would almost come to blows over the phone (laughs) where you you're like hey doc i need to talk tell you about a case it's it's probably not going to come in and they didn't want to be bothered yeah (laughs) they were just like they're like why are you calling me with this at four o'clock in the morning i was like that's what i'd like to know yeah but if i'm i was like my fault yeah give us the authority to turn this stuff away and you never have to hear from me again at four o'clock in the morning i was quite surprised how much 
autopsy technicians do. Like, I, I was quite surprised. They do actually quite a lot of the work. Well, what you were probably watching, someone like Nicole, hmm. they're a pathologist assistant. So yeah. they're actually doing a lot more stuff than I would have ever done. Yeah. So our my job was always to just get the organs out and hand them off to the doc. And the doc does all the more meticulous cuts into it. Right. But pathologist assistants would be someone like, if I was doing that and then the doctor probably wouldn't even be in the room. No. Like I would walk to the cut board with the or and I would do all the cuts and all that stuff. That takes more training and more certification. That might be what you saw. Mm. It was, I, yeah. I mean, I just, there was um, like the man that was there that was doing all the, he was doing, there was a lady that was doing the cutting and the taking out of stuff. And then he was kind of explaining it. And then we had a lady with us that was explaining like what they're going to do next and stuff. You could just hear them over the monitor. And yeah, it was, I think everybody should see that. I think everybody should understand. I don't think everybody could, but I think to have, yeah, to, to view your first autopsy is quite an awesome thing. I think probably everyone will remember their very first one. <laughs> I think they'll always remember the first time they ever saw it. But I think it would be, because they, the lady was saying, like, do you think you you could do that? Would you be able to cut somebody? And I was like, I think I could. I, it doesn't freak me out. Like, I thought it might do a little bit. And I thought I'd be going like, okay, you can do this. You can do this. But I was fine. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, I said to you and I, I was like, oh, I hope I can stand the smell. And that was okay. Once you kind of, I think once you kind of don't look at it as it's a person so much in that you're actually concentrating on what they're doing rather than who they're doing it to. I think it, yeah. you don't really sort of think about it. It doesn't really look doesn't really look real if you if you get what I mean it was kind of like um there's kind of a lot of stuff in there that I didn't you know like it fat and stuff I was just like wow oh my god like that's really weird and it's I want to look at that some more and it's you know they don't really concentrate on that that you say that I think I think I've mentioned this story before but it it always bears repeating because it was always it was hysterical in the moment you saying it looked almost not real Mm. so this was I had two friends come one day to see an autopsy Hmm. and I wasn't in the morgue cutting that day. I was on investigations, so I couldn't perform for them. Yeah. But I was like, I'll walk you through, you know, I knew the doctors and and the doctors that were there were very chill because some, some doctors you had to sort of gauge by personality. Yeah. Some were a little bit more uptight. They didn't want people watching them, but some were just like, yeah, what's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Very nice. Um, So I had one of those there that day. It was one of my friends more than the other. Like she wanted to see it. Mm. And then my, and she was more of a mutual friend. Like I knew her through the friend that the other friend that came, yeah, but she wanted to see it. So they both wound up coming Uh, and I'm trying to figure out ways of just, I'm not trying to like freak them out. No, I'm trying to uh, like slowly get them used to what they're going to see. So my solution to doing that was I'm going to follow me. I'm going to show you the cooler first because the cooler is full of, uh, you don't see the bodies, but you see the body bags Yeah, and there is kind of a smell to it too. So that that shows you the smell first and then you see body shapes and bags. So you kind of get slowly. That's really kind of you actually to do it like that. So I showed them that and I was like, everything good so far. (laughs) And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, because it, it's a two side cooler. So we walked in from the regular like Bay Area, closed behind us. When you open the next door, that leads you into the morgue. Yeah. So we closed behind, and uh, and there's a little area before you go into the morgue proper mm. where the autopsy is being done. 
So we're in here. I was like, okay, everything good so far? They're like, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, we're going to go see. You're going to go see it next. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. They're like, okay. So I was like, you know, just kind of follow me. And you to leave the area we're in, you walk to like a double door area, which was always open. The doors mm-hmm. were always open. Um, so I'm walking up and the doctor that was there that day, I've, you know, I've worked with him for years. And I'm like, hey, doctor, such and such. Like, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And we should start having a very small, like small talk type thing as I'm walking up. And I was like, what we got going on? and he he's starting to talk but as he talks he's sort of like I see his eyes sort of look over my shoulder and I had walked into the morgue I was almost to him and he looks over my shoulder and I was like what and I look back and realized my two friends had stopped at the double doors <laughs> and had not I just remember turning and looking and the look on their face oh really I was like I was like okay we're going outside the more. I was like, That's turn around. That's where it stops. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I can tell by your faces. This is this is where we stop. <laughs> Oh. So that that's all that they saw. Oh, bless. Because we now we actually had uh, a viewing window. We didn't have like yeah. a, mon- a camera monitor or anything. Mm. Um, so I was like, y- y'all could go and watch through the window. That's the same as we did, like a like a big like screen, like a big glass screen thing that you could watch straight through. And there's like yeah. a monitor thing that you could hear what he was saying. Like, uh, like I guess that's maybe where police go and watch. You know, when they have to sometimes go and watch it. Yeah. So yeah, I know what you mean. And I was like, y'all can go up there and watch. And they're like, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't want to and i was like all right so i sh- i started taking them around and just showing them the rest of you know like here's the evidence room here's yeah this i was like the, over there there's toxicology there's blah 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 and uh they're like that's cool <laughs> and they were like it was very clear they were like that was enough oh for the entire them. building and i was like okay so they were there uh, maybe a grand told total of <laughs> you know 45 minutes or something like oh. that and um my friend talk to me later and she was like she was like yeah our mutual friend she was like she's like she held it together while we were in the thing she's like but when they walked out of the <laughs> office she started dry heaving oh no <laughs> and uh and then uh oh, she was like she's like but i don't know how to how else to say this she's like whenever i first walked in the morgue and i saw the body laying out like that i thought it was fake <laughs> yeah yeah she's like i didn't think she's like i thought you had staged an autopsy i was yeah. like what kind of sense does that make? Why would I do that? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. That's what my brain was telling me. My brain was telling me it wasn't it's real. It's not real. Yeah. I yeah. think, yeah, maybe it's like a human coping mechanism. The first time yeah. I ever saw um uh, I, I went, I was doing some work with the police and the first body, that stranger body that I ever saw that was deceased was a suicide, carbon monoxide suicide. Um, and he was sitting in situ um when we got there and I'd that was the first, was that the first? Other than family, that was like the first, the first body that scene that I had ever been to. And when we got there, the guy that I was working with said, Are you gonna, I was, I think I was eight months pregnant at this point as well. And he said, you're going to be all right. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. He's like, Are you sure? I was like, I'll be fine. But I know how police are. And I thought maybe he had like set this up as a trick to, <laughs> that this guy was going to go Rah! at me. And when we got there, um, he was like, okay, just check. We'll just check to see that it's quite obvious, you know, it's quite obvious it's a suicide let's just check to see if there was um any notes or anything let's check the area blah blah so i was like okay yeah cool so i it, we took the we opened the the back of the car up and turned everything off and as i bent down to kind of look i was expecting this guy to just go at me and i was like and so i like touched just touched him and i was like oh no stiff 
definitely stiff. <laughs> We're good. It's okay. He's yeah. not going to jump off and like rah at me. And I think yeah. that's the kind of thing I always have in my head. I always think like with this one, I always thought, yeah, I could, you could really prank people with this. You could just lay someone, you know, someone alive down there and then just scare the shit out of everybody <laughs> by getting them to just like jump up off the table. And so I'm always a bit cautious that people are just trying to prank you and that, so I'm mm. a bit cautious to start with. So. <laughs> now, some people would say this. I, I've i never seen it and I'm convinced they're they're delusional when they mm. say it. They're convinced they're like, because I'll get questions sometimes. They're like, have you ever seen a body twitch? And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> it's like, they're, it's like dead, D-E-D, they're dead. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they don't sit up and look at you and stuff. And Yeah. It's like, there's no like hand to it. I was like, that, that's a movie thing. Like, yeah. you, But there'll be people that I'll talk to sometimes who will just be like, no, I, I saw it. I was like, I think. <laughs> I don't think you did. I, uh, did you see Bigfoot as well? Like, I think you're seeing things. Hey there. Did you know you're listening to a Headshot Media podcast? Autopsy podcast and horror makes you brave, as well as any future endeavors by yours truly, now have a home for premium users. Patreon.com slash Headshot Media now gives you early access to all content from all shows, ad and promo free. That's right, you don't even have to hear this ad anymore. Other ways to support the show include sharing these episodes and series wherever you like to share things, or leave a rating and review. Every little bit helps boost the signal. And of course, thank you always for listening and enjoying. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out. Out there, I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Do you get, you get lots of, you get lots of questions, don't you, from people about like, because people are a bit interested in what you do. And there's loads of like TikTok. You can, there's like um lots of more tree technicians and stuff that do tiktoks where they are they answer questions from people and like nicole she she does a lot of stuff like that doesn't she i mean her instagram and her growth room is like crazy people love asking her questions and seeing the mystery diagnosis that she does every like monday mm-hmm. so it's quite cool so i think people are generally interested what's the most common question you get asked um i'll have to think about that one uh common question i think the sitting up and the twitching one is one that everybody always thinks that your i've gotten that do once that. or twice most honestly a lot of times when people message me, it's usually there. It's some case they're looking at. Okay. And they're like, "Could this happen? Could this happen? Could this happen?" And I and I'm I've made a joke before. I was like, I, I feel like I'm the resident like killjoy sometimes, or <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no. You've done that to us a few times where I'm convinced <laughs> it's something, and then you're like, yeah. no, that doesn't work. And I'm like, Are you sure? Yeah. Sure, definitely. Yeah. No, no. Oh, okay. So I have to start again now and start a new investigation. Yeah. And that, I don't know. But 
I'll get, yeah, I'll get questions like that. And it's like, I don't want to spoil your fun. I like, <laughs> that's why I like, it's hard. Sometimes I, I'm always hesitant to say I'm any, I'm true crime yeah, because true crime just seems very different from what I do where I'm yeah. like, I get what you're doing, but no, no, <laughs> but no. <laughs> oh, so talking about, uh, like Nicole and mm. all of them, I, I would agree. Like, I think more people are interested than you think, but no, mm. nobody wants to be the weirdo. <laughs> That's yeah. like, that has to say it first. Yeah. Because there were some doctors I worked, I don't know if I worked with, but some fellow investigators who worked in other places who, where I knew the doctors, they were always very adamant. Like they wanted people to sort of behave normally mm. if you worked in the office because they, the way they saw it, they're like pathology gets a bad rap because they're like only a bad rap in terms of only weirdos yeah. are into this. <laughs> yeah. And so the office is full of weirdos and I'm like, you know, you should embrace that. I was, yeah, I was just about to say, there's nothing wrong with weirdos. And, but they were just like no when when other when investigators are here or blah 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 you you act professional you don't you don't act normal like you, <laughs> you act like a robot basically and i was like i think when other people are here they want to be here yeah that's right like stop pretending you're something that you're not mm. because we would get well we didn't get many notes by that like that even though like i've, I've talked about where i worked headquarters was a more political environment mm. but even saying that most people in the rest of the agency didn't come by because they no. didn't want to the smell alone kept them out yeah um, so we never actually had to be you know every now and then uh, an admin would come through like once a month maybe oh so yeah, you mind your P's and Q's. And even if, and usually they're only really coming through just to talk with a supervisor or something like that. Yeah. Um. So they're not even really there to see what you're doing. Or if there's a high profile case or something like mm. that, they need to show up for PR purposes more but than I, anything. I think also though, people that work in that line of work have got a really kind of gallow sense of humor. And I think not everybody gets that kind of sense of humor. Because I think in a job where you're constantly dealing with stuff like that, I think you've got to have a bit of a good sense of humor, to be honest. And like the public and people, you know, they don't really understand that kind of thing. And like I've been to situations where there's something been quite horrific and the the officers that have been there, they'll make like an in-joke. But if a member of the public heard that, they'd go crazy. I mean, it would be absolutely frowned upon. But I think when you're dealing with stuff like that all the time, you've got to kind of like for your own mental health, there's got to be things that you can smile about and that kind of thing. It's a bit crazy, You know isn't who it? you're talking to. <laughs> I know who I'm talking to. I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm very yeah. aware. Yeah, I know um, you are. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you are. <laughs> it's crazy though, isn't it? It is. I always think in that sort of job that you have to be the straight faced kind of thing because it's professional. But I don't always think that that's always very helpful, especially no. not when you're dealing with that kind of stuff. I don't know if I ever met anybody, any investigator, any doctor who was just straight faced no. all the time. Even the ones who are just more like, ah, oh, this is a job, whatever. Yeah. There would still come a case where one day they'd be like, like, oh my God, this is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't I haven't really mentioned this. So the I'm not going to go into detail about what happened to me. Mm. But that case that I mm. was working on that yeah. day was a dismemberment case. And the doctor I was working with, now she was more of the excitable type. Like she loved her job. Like she mm. loved it. And she's a sweetheart. But she had never worked a dismemberment case before. Yeah. So she came so in that new. day. She, yeah. She was like, I've never done one. She's like, this is going to, I was like, she was so excited. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, it, it, everything went well with the case. Yeah. Um, like yeah. there was nothing, like it was all the aftermath of everything that came after. I was like, well, that was your first case. Doc. <laughs> <laughs> but 
even but, in uh, even in an operating theater there are going to be cases that come in to a doctor where they're like wow i've never done this before this is going to be exciting and you know they're dealing they're going to be doing i watched a brain surgery show where they were showing this like doctor was like not even a millimeter he only had a, like not even a millimeter margin of paralyzing this patient and he was really excited because of the intense kind of the stress level and the you know because it's something that he didn't get to do every day and he said i've done maybe one of these in my whole 20 whatever year career this is something that doesn't come in every day and like there was so many people in the operating room so many people wanted to see and observe and other doctors were coming in and i think it's just human nature if you, you wouldn't be doing that job if it didn't excite you or didn't you know there's got to be something in your belly that makes you be able to do that kind of thing so i would think you would be excited when you first when you're first doing it it might come a bit meh after a while but yeah and a lot of the so we had just tons and tons of overdose cases did you all the time to the point where they overdose cases are just so boring because yeah, of course th- there's nothing really to see in a no cause everything's in the talks yeah um, i mean with few exceptions every now and then you get something weird you're like huh well we thought this was an overdose or it, maybe it still is, but we've got this weird finding now. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the fun of kind of any case. Yeah. But most overdoses by and large, you're just like, oh, just get them over with. Yeah. But we had, there was a joke. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, I mean, it was never really a joke on. On that person. Dece- yeah. yeah, of course. But, but uh, someone came in, it was a joke on who, on the person who had reported the case on the mm. coroner because okay let me see if i can get right <laughs> how he wrote this because a lot of times we would just have to write down what these coroners told us right even even if we knew it defied any and all logic we're like okay <laughs> we're just gonna write what they That's said what you said yeah so there was this guy who i think what he had done is he tied a rope or a cord to a pole Mm-hmm. And then he tied the other end to his neck mm. and then he got into a car and started driving. Oh, okay. And wh- how this corner reported what happened, I was like, that is, that's not how physics work, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah. But then he says, like, once the rope reached its sort of length, mm. as he was driving away from this pole, it, the rope catches and he's like, and then that caused the vehicle to like start turning so it started so it started like wrapping back around the pole like it like it like the like the person inside was like not allowing the vehicle to go forward yeah and like going he's like we're reading this swing ball yeah that that's literally like the doctor was standing there she was like ah yes we call that the tetherball effect in vehicle <laughs> and I never, I was like, that's, that was good. That that's was a brilliant. solid joke. But yeah, you're just like, <laughs> like, who thinks that that's how that kind of stuff works? <laughs> like either the rope's going to snap or your yeah. head's going to snap off or something. That's right. Uh, whatever. That's <laughs> but, so funny. Yeah. Yeah. People do tend to think that w- this kind of stuff is weird until you get in there and you start showing. I mean, there's always going to be people that's like, that see it and they're like, no. Yeah, mm, absolutely not. My mum was like that before I went. She was like, "No, absolutely not <laughs> happening." She said, "Have you yeah. eaten?" I said, "Of course I've eaten." She's like, "You're going to be sick." I was like, "No, I'm not going to be sick, mum. I'm fine." She's like, "Well, maybe you should take a bit of time after, just in case, like before you drive home, because it's an hour to drive home. Perhaps you need to like take a bit of time." I was like, "Mum, I'm fine. <laughs> like, chill out." And I rang her as I left, and she was like, "Are you okay? Do you need to take a minute?" I was like. I'm fine. It was brilliant, mum. And she's like, where do you get this from? You must have got this from your grandmother because I'm never like this. <laughs> she was like, it's really weird. I don't know where you get this from. 
some people it's always going to be weird to them and some people it's going to be i think it's again because i was surprised how much i liked it yeah it's just something you don't think about because you're almost raised to not want to think about it. Yeah, we don't really talk about it, do we? I mean, because death is sad and nobody really wants to think about it until they have to. So Mm. that line of work, people are just like, well, that's all you have to think about. I'm like, from the outside, I could see you thinking about that. But when you're in there doing it, you're like, no, I've got two dozen things I have to do today and I can't. And you don't really think about the person at all and at least in so much as like okay this is a gunshot wound this is a talk so i need to think about all these things i need or how That's i'm gonna right. handle x yeah. y and z um and you sort of stop at like kind of what you don't really look into too much of what their story is because i think that would be worse wouldn't it i think if you were to take on board the story of every person that comes through i think you would take that on mentally it would be quite mentally draining for you yeah well, because it is sad, you know, all death is sad. It's going to be somebody's loved one. Somebody's going to be upset that that person's gone, and they're going to be going to be missing them. So I think if you were to take that on every time, it, it would it would make things really hard for you. Even when we got like, so if we were on the investigative side and we were getting these things reported to us, you're having to write their story down. Again, some of them are pretty generic. Some of them are kind of like uh, you know overdose cases. Most overdose cases are accidental. It's sad, but it's not like you're just like, well, they didn't realize what they were doing and, yeah and that's sort of the basics of like what you consider about a story so your your job would be um so you would go to be called out to unexplained deaths and to investigate what happened and then would you prepare a file for the coroner or did they come alongside you how does how did the death because like, i don't think we have death investigators here in the uk like that job that that's like my dream job but that job that you kind of describe i don't think we actually have it we have the coroner's office mm-hmm. and we have you know that they would go and investigate un- unexplained deaths i'm thinking it's a bit like a coroner's officer but i don't think the coroner's officers go and assist with i know that they sometimes go to autopsies but i don't think they assist you know like you were saying it crosses over for you i don't think they like assist with stuff like that i think they just sometimes attend them they it, it depends what the system is here because mm. we'll have you know if it's a wealthier county they'll be able to some coroner's offices if they could afford it they would actually be the pathologist themselves because okay. most coroners uh, most coroners here are not doctors um they're elected officials but every once and again some states will have will have a county that has a coroner and not he's the coroner and he's the doctor oh, and whoever okay. works for him would be Maybe a deputy doesn't have to be a doctor, just someone he can send out almost like a death investigator. Yeah. So there are versions of that, but I think by and large over here, it's coroners are elected officials and then there's a pathologist's office somewhere, whether an Emmy's office or someone they contract out to do it. So that was just so. What was your like your job? What what did you do? So you go out and investigate what happens, unexplained deaths. I'm guessing most of the stuff I did was taking calls from coroners um, from around the state. So I didn't actually have to go out to those scenes. They the coroner went out to scenes. They would write up. They would get all the information they needed or they knew that I needed, and they would report it to me, and I would write it up, and I would write up our GBI report. Right. And then I would put together a file folder for that body if it was coming in and set it and set it in a what we called the control room. And that's where the doctors would go every day and pick their cases. Okay. Now, that was one part of it. But and they don't do this anymore. Um, They stopped doing this after I was gone. I was like, of course, y'all would stop doing this. (laughs) Just when they wanted to be good. Yeah. We had to go out to scenes. Mm. They don't do that anymore. 
at, oh. at, at GBI. Most medical examiner investigators do though. Most ME offices, like, cause I was GBI, but there's a, Atlanta has the Fulton County ME's office. If someone passes away on scene, the investigators got to go out to that scene yeah. and do what I would have normally done. But because I was with the state agency and the cor- it was the coroner's reporting it to us, we didn't do that with the exception of Clayton County, which was Southwest of Atlanta. And it was the weirdest thing that had ever happened where there was some corruption in the coroner's office years oh, and years, okay. over a decade and a half ago. Yeah. And there's like, there's been instances of that before some corner double dipping ch- what he's charging, blah, blah, blah. Right. It, I mean, it was something to that effect when I yeah. say corruption. It was something, some monetary Money, stuff. Money. Yeah. Yeah. That's happened every now and then. In most cases, you're just like, all right, coroner gets either taken to jail. Yeah. There's another election. We move on with our lives. Yeah. Everyone carries on again. Clayton County decided, no, we're not going to do that. We uh, the cor- the budget we have set aside for the coroner every year, we're going to give that to GBI, oh, and then GBI okay. is going to be the acting coroner right. for Clayton County. So they're basically giving us a coroner's budget to work as their private medical examiner's office, which private oh, medical examiner's offices cost a lot, more, a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So they were getting a steal. Yeah. So if anyone ever died on scene in Clayton County, me or another investigator would have to go out there and we I, my job was to go out there and I would do the pronounced time okay I would talk to investigators to the next of kin get all the you know next of kin knows more of their social history medical history and officers by the time hopefully by the time you get there the officers are doing their job and they can actually give you a timeline of events but that wasn't always the case <laughs> sometimes I'm having to piece it together and then I would one way or another like if the body doesn't come in you you sort of say okay you're quote unquote releasing your jurisdiction back to the family. Okay. Uh, the family can call a funeral home, whoever, if it was coming in, or if the family didn't have a funeral home in mind and just wanted the body stored for a certain thing. Yeah. Okay, I, need, I need to call our transport company who uh, Clayton County contracted with and wait for them to show up and then transport the body. So, so interesting. It's such an interesting job. It was, That's why, again, I didn't know what I was getting into yeah. <laughs> when I started it. How but weird. I stuck around. Yeah. And then the more I did it, I was like, oh, this is this is pretty good. And that's why, again, like something I mentioned with, when I talked to Jess, the more you work for a place like GBI, the more you're just like, these people are in the bureaucracy. These like <laughs> yeah. these people are insane. Yeah. But you love the job and that's why you stick around and do yeah. it. So and most people that did um, most people that I knew that worked there, I think a lot of them are still there, but they still have a turnover rate like anybody else. Yeah. You should start up your own office now. <laughs> start up your uh, own office and then con- you get contracted out you can earn a fortune doing the job you love <laughs> uh, if i knew a doctor who could do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well that would well, that's you know that's honestly kind of a almost a shady side of pathology at least yeah. over here yeah where not to get into like too many details but mm. a case like the kendrick johnson case yeah you know we were that case happened while i was at gbi but it was the our regional making lab that handled it. So I, I knew that like I worked a lot with the doctor who did the case. Yeah. So I would question her about it. I was like, you know, and most of the stuff that ever got said, I was like, well, these people don't know what they're talking about. No, that's right. But it, it became such a, like that case drove that doctor insane just I because bet. she was like, I, she's like, I will never hear the end of this case. No. She's like, no matter what I say, no matter what I did, no matter how hard we worked, tried, it, didn't, yeah. it, it all it took was this other pathologist that this mm. family hired 
And that's yeah. where I say, like, that's the troubling thing. If you start your own pathology type thing where you're yeah. just contracting with next of kin directly, that's what you're going to get mostly are family that comes up to you and they're like, we don't like what they said. Mm. And, you know, it's like, you know, I, I don't begrudge anybody if they want a second opinion. Of course. Yeah. But sometimes it's like at a certain point, like, you know, a, a spade is a spade. Yeah. And especially that, and I, and I brought his case up specifically just because that pathologist is kind of an arsehole. He's yeah. just like the things that he did and he said, and he claimed he saw based on nothing. Yeah. You're, you're just like, what you did was kind of a very scumbag thing to do to it's this a false family. hope to the family, isn't it? That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what he did where you're just yeah. like, you should be ashamed of what you, yeah. of what you're doing to this family. Yeah. The quote unquote hope you gave them. It's like, but it's not real hope. It's no. like hope is actually something is there. It's like yeah. you give them just a false sense of whatever. It's like, yeah. It's cruel, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, I, it'd be great to just go to somewhere else where you can do what you want to do. And there's doctors I work with that are like, they'd love to be at another office where they could kind of make their own rule, which GBI is special in that <laughs> special <laughs> in that regard because the doctors, even the chief, they don't really make the rules for that office. No, no. Um, they answer to the director of the agency. Most medical examiner's offices aren't like that. Most of them are the chief is the chief. Yeah, is the top. And whatever they say goes. Mm. And if someone tries to tell them how to do their job, they can basically laugh in their face and yeah, say, I know what I'm doing. And that even became like a point of, I think, as, as I understand, a point of contention during like COVID, mm. where you're having the director of the GBI telling people in the ME's office how they need to do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, <laughs> you're not a doctor. Like, no. How like, how dare you? <laughs> you? You know, you've probably never done this in your life either. It's just paper, you know, people that work with paperwork that are trying to tell you how to do a job. And it's like, well, no, it yeah. doesn't work like that. Let's see. So you got to hold the, the heart only, yeah. the human heart? Yeah, yeah. Which was kind of amazing. There's only two of us that would, the other people were just like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to go down there and don't want to smell that. Um, and it was very interesting. We got to watch the guy that was there that was doing the slicing of bits and checking stuff. And, mm. and it was, yeah, it was very interesting. It was very, um, yeah, like I said, it was just, I didn't expect it to look how, I don't know how we're sort of conditioned to think how hearts look. I mean, and I didn't actually realize that hearts actually do have strings in them. There are actually strings inside the heart, which yes, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. I thought the heartstrings was just a phrase that we use. <laughs> but then when she showed, and the other, it's the like other, a fibrous muscle. Yeah, thing. yeah, know, yeah. But like when they cut it, and there's like, look, this is what we would call heartstrings, and they put like the little instrument behind it, and I was like, no way, actually. And the, you know, the like the little valve that when you're born closes over, so that then the blood goes to the lungs and not, you know, not out into the um into the amniotic sac. Like, mm. and I was just like, wow. So when they say there's a the baby was born with a hole in the heart, that generally means that this valve hasn't closed over properly mm. and I was like oh oh my god and like um yeah. one like thing that she did say that she said that if you were to find a torso if, if a, like the police were to find a torso we could tell from the lymph nodes if that person had a tattoo and I've got tattoo I've got quite a few tattoos and I was like how and she said well your lymph nodes will carry the ink from your tattoo we will be able to find that that body has a tattoo and you can also tell from that the color in that the tattoos that's in the tattoo and I was like no way that's amazing you know I didn't even know that yeah apparently so so and again that's why like whenever I invited you on you were like I hope I don't ask I was like look dumb questions. I, I went into this <laughs> I went into this career with dumb questions yeah. 
like, they hired me on and paid me to ask dumb <laughs> questions because I had no idea what I was doing or what I was talking about. Um, so it's and yet yeah, seeing other people come in because we would, you know, we would bring there would be tour groups or officers or we would just bring friends sometimes who wanted to see it. And I'm glad you actually got to hold like the heart and stuff because mm. we would let if the doctor was OK with it and yeah. there was no issue. Yeah. And as long as it wasn't, you know, some messed up homicide or something. No. Like that, yeah. We would bring like friends or family if they wanted to into the morgue and they would talk to the doc and you would you would let them put on gloves and you mm-hmm. would like here you can hold the lung you can yeah. hold the heart we probably wouldn't let them hold the liver because it's heavy and yeah it is heavy like it's strange like like i don't know i don't know why i mean obviously i've cut up chicken and you know bits for dinner and stuff like that but when i was just i just was really surprised by like Short, purely the amount of stuff that's in your body and also because I she went they went through the process so they went through the now I don't know if I'm gonna get this right the way so the algal mortis and the is that the first one they went through all the different mortises so you algal but then you eventually your rigor mortis and she was going through what happens in oh the mm. pal is it the pallor mortis where you lose all your color and then she was just saying like so the process of what happens when you die this is what happens that the body everything stops the heart stops pumping so then there's, there's no blood circulating around your body anymore it all then mm. starts to sink to obviously gravity is the only force that actually happens to the blood now and so then the mm. body starts to settle and that's when you get your line of um liver lividity. is it liver mortis yeah lividity line yeah. so and then she was saying like we, we can tell if a body's been moved because sometimes there'll be a second lividity line and so then you can tell mm. that that body's not it's not originated the way it's been found um, and then she was explaining like wh- how and why rig- um, the liver mortis sets in and how you can tell certain things and that you usually don't get it in sort of your butt cheeks and your shoulder blades that usually that's still white because of the pressure against wherever the person's been laying mm. and she was just kind of explaining that and I thought okay that's something that I've heard quite a few times but to actually see it and to see the lines and to see the like coagulation of blood like it's crazy it's just like jelly like actual jelly mm. it's just weird mm-hmm. it's so it's so interesting to see what happens like the process and I didn't realize that a body can stay warm for quite a long time like it, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> go freezing cold straight away no that those you know that you say that those were the <laughs> those were the weird cases to have to work on sometimes is someone if there wasn't a whole lot going on during mm. the day like we only had a few cases and then someone went out to a scene and pronounced the body that was coming in and just brought it in like you know nine ten o'clock in the morning yeah oh, we can we can go ahead and do that case today while they're still warm <laughs> sometimes yeah that was the that was always the weirdest borderline creepy feel yeah. of doing an autopsy and the body everything st- you put your hands in it and everything's just very very warm warm that must yeah. be weird that must be strange see over here we don't we, we, like with you that that's really good that you would allow people to come and view and stuff over here it has to be through like school or through college or something you I, I applied at so many funeral homes and asked whether I could go and do like an unpaid work experience so I could learn more about like the process of embalming and that kind of thing and they were all like no you can't do it because of the um the way that the, you know because it's death it's something that's very i can't think of the word that they all use the same word and it's basically like no because of the way our like work works thing. yeah basically because that yeah. person can't consent to you being there and uh, i was like well that's crazy because how else do funeral people learn how do you learn that you can do that job and you can handle that kind of thing if you don't ever go in and try and learn so i think yeah. it's a bit weird they were like oh sensitivity that was the word so they said because of the sensitivity of the job that we do unfortunately we can't have like spectators and I was like oh okay but surely if you 
how do you train new mortuary people then? And I think as far as like tour groups, because again, we could bring our family and friends yeah. if we wanted, but it was only if the doctor was okay. Of course, with it. yeah. yeah. Um, and even when we brought them, you know, they had to still check in through security. And of all course, the, the yeah, stuff. yeah. But we would get tour groups, and most of it was most of them were would be people going into coroner school or yeah. EMS workers, that kind of stuff. Mm. Some would be college students but we had now we put a stop to this because it made no sense and jess mentioned this when we talked and i was like oh yeah i forgot we did that was that. a great episode yeah <laughs> i really enjoyed that episode she's really cool yeah jess is great um but the there was like a group of like high school kids they would come in and do a tour and you're like that's no that's so stupid there's no need <laughs> like, for that is there <laughs> You know, you can get a high school student to come in who somebody who's enthusiastic that wants mm. this, you know, that could be allowed, especially if they knew one of us or one of the doctors, that sort yeah. of thing. But a class of high school students That's in weird, a more yeah. like of teenagers, you're just like, why, no. why did they, they put a stop to it, but it was like, they should have never no. allowed that. It was no. So yeah, it was as far as like people like, yeah, there's sensitivity and there are rules about it, but at least with GBI, the rules, they were, they were always unwritten. <laughs> they were yeah. always like, this should be understood until suddenly there was a VIP that could do whatever they wanted to do. And you're just like, okay, well. But I think everybody should learn up. I mean, think it, I don't think it should be such a taboo subject because everybody's going to die. That's one, certainly. We're all, we're mm. all going to die at some point, you know, varying stages of our lives. And I don't know. It's really strange because recently two of my really good friends have got cancer and they're sort of like my age. So they're like early 40s. And it's kind of something when you're a kid, cancer happens to old people. And then when you're like, you're finding out that your friends have got cancer and mm. it kind of makes that kind of thing all the more real. And it makes me kind of want to understand what happens and what happens to our bodies and these sort of things even more. And I mean, I'm, I'm not the sort of person that's going to ever be a doctor. I'm, not, I'm mm. never going to be a, a medical student. I'm never, because I can't, I can't, like you said, I can't deal with the people in pain. I'm not good with people in pain. And so that it's never going to happen. So for me, it's very frustrating when you want to learn about this kind of stuff, but you can't because you have to be a doctor. To be a coroner here, you have to be a solicitor or you have to be a medical doctor. You have to be you know, the same as a pathologist, you have to have been a doctor first. And I was like, well, can't I just train as a pathologist? I don't want to do any of the other stuff. I just want to do the pathology <laughs> part of it. And they're like, it doesn't work like that. I'm like, well, there's no That's way. sort of how it is you, to be a pathologist. You have to go to medical school. Yeah. You have to be an MD and then do your uh, yeah. whatever in pathology. They do at least have to do that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Once they, <laughs> once they, like medical school probably kicks their ass the hardest, but I think once they get into pathology, it's a little bit more chill. Yeah. What I was bit, talking yeah, about. A bit more laid back. Uh, a doctor I worked with talked about, like, he he always knew he wanted to be a pathologist. He went to medical school and like, I forget, he even admitted he was like, it was like the easiest medical school <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, and and that's why he went because he was, he's just the most laid back dude. Yeah. Um, and then he, uh, and then he went to do his start doing his pathology, whatever, he started working more with people who were getting into, he would see people that were going to be, you know, private practice medical mm. doctors one day. And they were always so stressed out. Yeah. And <laughs> he was like, like he showed up and he was like, <laughs> I think he, he was like in a hospital in a cafeteria and he was getting yeah. some food and uh, he was talking to some doc, some other doc. And 
he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to eat and then I'm going to go home. And then I think tomorrow I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. And that, that doctor just looked at him. He was like, I've slept and eaten in this hospital three, four nights in a row now. <laughs> Don't have time and, to think. Yeah. My friend was just like, yeah, that's the pathology lifestyle. And he just yeah. walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like not too bad. I like the sound of it. It's a lot better yeah. than being a stressed out doctor that's on call like for like 19 hours of a day and then sleeps for three hours in a hallway. I don't know. It's not, that's not, yeah. that's not the kind of job I want to do. It's crazy. And um, a lot of people are like that. Like, and again, that's another, it sucks that it's that way over there because mm. over here to be a death investigator for almost any office, all you really need is like a four year and it could be in criminal justice or biology yeah. or a related field. And they'll take you right in as long as you can stand the job and take yeah. it. Like they'll take you and they'll, everything is on the job training. So that's really good, um, isn't it? I think that's yeah. really good. Um, and again, the, the girl I mentioned earlier who had no intention of ever mm. doing an autopsy. She stayed an investigator. When she started, she was like, she talked about she thought she wanted to be a doctor one day. Yeah. And then she got into doing death investigation. She's like, oh, this is way easier and better than going to medical <laughs> yeah. school. Yeah, exactly. A lot less stressful. So they did ask you when you were there, like, did you think you could ever do yeah. you could actually cut like and do an evisceration yourself? And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird when you find that out about yourself. It is. <laughs> yeah. Because even like when I showed up, I was like, I don't know. I, again, I was already hired on the job. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and, uh, but again, they hand you a scalpel. I mean, they, there's lots they of prep work you, before you get yeah. to, um, but then there comes a day where they're like, grab the scalpel. Yeah. Here and, you go. And they, and it's but they so stay, sharp, isn't it? Like, oh God, yeah. like it opens up so easily. It's like, it's even easier than like scoring the top of pork, you know, to make good crackling. It's so <laughs> easy the way it just sort of parts open. I was really surprised that that was something else. I was really surprised at how it's just, zoop, 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 there you go, open from neck to pelvis. It was just like, wow, okay. Yeah. And then like when everything's open up, it's like, it's like a little envelope and it's like all this stuff's there and it's like, well, okay, so now what are they going to do? And then they start like explaining what's what and then they start moving stuff about and it's kind of a whole handfuls of stuff that like, coming out of there. And it's, and then it's like, okay, when it's all done, you've got like this kind of empty cavity. And it's like, I can't believe that that's a, that's inside me. You know, that's like, I've got all that in there. And it's just like, wow. Okay. And when it's all sort of on the table and it's all piled up and you've got all your bits in different bowls and like different <laughs> like silver sheets and stuff. I'm like, geez, I don't, you couldn't even get that all back in there if you tried. There's no way. It, <laughs> no. There's just so much stuff. It's never going to all go back in. But like how like neatly they sew everything back up again. And it's probably stuff that you just completely take for granted. But I was just like, oh, wow. Like that is just amazing. Yeah, we would now, when we stitched it back up, it was very just tacking it together. Yeah. Like, we, we didn't do like a baseball type stitch or anything. No. That wasn't our, because ultimately the bodies leave us and they go to a funeral home. Yeah. And it's like, that was all, that's something we always questioned. And some labs, as I know they do, wouldn't stitch the bodies up at all. When they were done, they'd finish the evisceration or they'd aspirate the body, get out all the fluids, all the organs and all that stuff would go into the bag. The bag yeah. is tied off. So nothing's going anywhere. And then they put the bag with the body and just leave the body you know, they sort of flap the skin back over and put the yeah. chest plate in, but they won't sew it up. And that was because they knew when it got to the funeral home. They're going to do even their if, work, it, aren't it, they? Well, if they had even tacked it up, the, sometimes the funeral home is just going to snip that anyway yeah. and redo it. Yeah. So it's just extra holes there. That was their 
reasons for not doing it. So we always sort of questioned the why we had to do it, but it was yeah. that was just the policy. So that's what it was. So is there set ways for you? Like, do you, would you do that? You'd do the same thing every time. So you would always start with the same cuts and you'd always start. Is it like a list process you would do or does that depend on who's come to you? It's basically the same. Like every if you're doing a full autopsy, mm-hmm. it's the same thing every time. Now, there's okay. there's variations to certain pieces of it. Like mm-hmm. most of the autopsies I ever did, you take everything out organ by organ. Yeah. But you can take everything out in what's called unblock. Everything can come out. And that's when you would, except for the brain, that's where you would do the Y incision. Because the way we did it, usually the tongue and neck was the last thing that came out. Oh, okay. But if everything came out at once, you'd start and you'd, t- and you'd reflect the neck and mm-hmm. pull the tongue down and once you got the tongue out, then you'd start working your way out and like everything can come out in one piece all no the way down way. to the bladder. Um, and yeah, they call that unblock or in block, whatever you want to mm. call it. That was some, some doctors, it was rare that they did it. They always had a reason okay. for wanting it. Yeah. But mo- more often you just took everything out organ by organ. Sometimes you can, they would say, Hey, can you do a heart and lung block? So okay. the heart and lungs you can sort of take out as one piece. Yeah. There's variations, but you still basically still start the same way. That's okay. actually kind of why autopsy, the show, is why it's the way it is. Yeah. Kind, kind of every episode is sort of the same. It's like <laughs> yeah. because every autopsy is sort of the same. Um, so I was like, that sort of plays into how the structure of that show came up because I yeah, see. everything's very and they and it's it's done like that and rigid like that because the idea of you perform everything the exact same way. Therefore, if you get unique findings, then they are unique. Yeah, um, it's not something because sense. you because you decided to do something different here or there. They're like, okay, well, no, you did everything the way you're supposed to do. Therefore, mm. these findings you have have more relevance. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. I can see why they do it like that. So the very first time you did your very first, your, you did your very first autopsy. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that? The very first time you got to be in control of everything. Were you really nervous? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, we didn't do like a full evisceration the first time. Like it was uh, you just do a Y incision on like oh, okay, a dozen a bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And then part by part, you you'd learn more and more. Now they, it's watch one, cut one, teach one. That's how how the doctors are taught to do it in medical school. Wow. And they try to implement that on the new investigators. I'm like, that's a, you know, doctors have been in medical school when they do this stuff. Like (laughs) they know the names and terms and they know generally where everything is. Yeah. I was like, we don't. No. So like I, I saw like, a that- spleen. Like I've never seen a spleen before. I didn't even know what a spleen looks like. If you showed me like a picture, I wouldn't be able to point out a spleen to you. That was <laughs> that was weird. Um, and like things that you think you know as an adult, <laughs> you think you should know things. Like I um like like ridiculous. I'm a female. The uterus. Like mm. Weird, like totally weird. I never expected the uterus to look like that. And you know, it's just like just silly things like that, like um, kidney stones. How they they explain to us how a person would get kidney stones and why. I can see why they're so painful to pass now because like they're big and the tube that comes out of that kidney is not big at all. And oh, I can see. And it's just like silly things like that that you kind of. I didn't realize kidneys were as big as they were. I didn't realize where they actually went in your body either. And it was like, whoa, everything is actually really close together because it's obviously in a small area but it's like when they showed the the lungs and where the heart sits over the left lung like or within like underneath the ne- the left lung it was like mm. well okay so the left lung hasn't got as much space as the right lung's got and then there's this like kind of little muscle that's underneath it kind of kisses the heart all the time every time you breathe and i was just like wow like 
that's yeah. crazy. I didn't even know that. And I am a person, you know, I've got all these bits and I didn't understand. And that's why, just because you, that you say that, that's why some people may not know um, your left lung has two lobes and your right lung has yeah. three lobes. And that's why, because your heart is sets closer to your left side so there's less space so there's not room for the extra lobe that develops and you typically right lungs are a little bit bigger not much but slightly bigger and that's why because there's a little bit more space yeah it's just it's it's just crazy i just find it's just so interesting and it's always interesting like again when you start seeing the same thing day by day Every now and then you'll see something you're like, all right, that's that's rad. Yeah. That's like you'll see what's called like a horseshoe kidney. Oh, okay. It's, it's, yeah. Instead well, of having together. Yeah. Instead of one kidney, like the way they were for you develop, it's just one kidney and it's like it it looks like a horseshoe. Horseshoe. Yeah. And sometimes you'll see with someone like asthmatics, their lungs, what they would call think like kissing lungs, because they're there's a I'm sure there's a technical term or mm. technical process that I don't even recall now, but asthmatics, their lungs inflate so big sometimes that they'll kind of cross. They'll be yeah. t- like, you'll go, you'll reflect, uh, you'll take the chest plate off and the lungs are big and they're basically touching and you're like, oh, the kissing lungs. That's kissing lungs. That's so sign cool. of an asthmatic. Uh, See, that's mad, isn't it? You know that. Yeah. You know that from seeing that, that that's a sign of somebody who's asthmatic. That's what I think that's just, I think that's quite fascinating that, you know, just from looking in there. I mean, I think most, I honestly think that most adults, if you were to say to them, okay, I'm going to lay all this out. Tell me which part is which. I don't think they would be able to do it because I don't know anyone who knows no. what spleen looks like. No, whenever I had to take the, uh, when I applied for that job, they didn't tell us this and I was I was like a nervous wreck when I got there because I thought I was going in for an interview (laughs) and I did, but they were like, well, to get the interview, you have to pass this little test. And this test is like they, it was two different versions. It was, we're going to show you a PowerPoint of all these organs and you have to say what they are. Oh no, I would fail. And I was like, (laughs) oh God. And that's why I I was going to mention that earlier when you talked about the tongue. They showed the the tongue complete with the neck organs and the yeah, it's and weird, the aorta isn't it? completely laid out, mm. and they had an arrow drawing to the tip, which would be you know your tongue, your tongue, yeah. And they were like, "What is this?" And they're like, specifically, "What is the arrow pointing to?" And and you it, most people include, and I yeah. have no problem admitting I wrote. I was like, "It looks like a penis, <laughs> like it, like it's very phallic looking the it way is. it's like yeah, it really is weird. It's very weird looking. So yeah, there's no shame." and not knowing no. what a lot of this stuff looks like because most of us that started this stuff we never knew it definitely doesn't look like a tongue i don't think when it's all no. out and you've got all of it out with with all the all the respiratory system and stuff i didn't think it actually looks like a tongue at all it's so much bigger than i thought it was going to be like it's yeah. it's 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 long in there <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know the tongue itself it's long but it's connected to all this other stuff yeah. and it's it's just all one piece and I, that's what most people don't understand it's like you don't just take a tongue out the tongue no. has to come out with the neck organs with all this other stuff and it's crazy though isn't it like how much like i came out of there and i was like wow like i can feel like on my own throat like okay i can feel that i can feel that tube and i'm thinking yeah it's like it's weird and i think that the the, the whole popping of the thing that i thought that was just absolutely oh I, I was about to go back to that because that was that made me chuckle <laughs> a little bit because there uh i mean several coworkers i worked with did this especially if you have very large hands okay. and you're having to reach in and get and sort of because you're having to reach under the skin of the neck mm. to grab the tongue and sort of start getting it out yeah 
And if you were if you were using more force than you realize sometimes, that you would just hear that sound that <laughs> you did yeah. it great. Um, <laughs> and it's that pop. It's literally you're you're popping a bone in the hile. Yeah, <laughs> it's that sound yeah. and you and you would just hear it like a, a good friend of mine he did it all the time and you'd always it it made us all laugh and it, it would sometimes it would depending on the doctor would irritate the doctor yeah because they don't you don't you need to have better technique than that <laughs> yeah. but sometimes you i mean sometimes you just can't help it but you'd always know because they'd be doing it and you would just hear that little sound yeah. and you're like well there he, he goes the again <laughs> yeah the funny thing is the doctor said to me he said you've got you've got good hands this your hands are really small i've got quite small hands and he was mm. like but i've got quite long fingers and he was like well you've got good you can get in the cavities and stuff because you've got little hands and there was a man that was um the other side of me and he had quite big hands and he was like yeah you're gonna struggle because <laughs> yeah. he had like like big spade hands and he was like it's okay because i'm not coming down there it's all good <laughs> <laughs> and he just sort of sat there like nah absolutely not yeah. and it was more women there was more women there than men there was just these two men and one was the one that was okay i think he was a police officer he had that kind of police officer like look about him and the mm. other guy that was the heaving guy um i don't know why he was there but yeah the police officer guy was like no i, I think i'll just i'll just stay <laughs> here and the lady was like you're welcome to go down and the doctor was like no no i'm okay oh and it was just me and i think the lady that i went with was a nurse and it was just a, but the funny thing is and they're like so what do you do for a living and i'm like mm, don't really want to tell you i'm a podcaster because <laughs> it's not really what you want to hear and i was like oh i'm just yeah. really interested in like um position as a mortuary technician and they they were like, oh, okay. Or like, a, you know, the other job that I'm just looking at uh, going for. And I was like, I'm not going to be telling you what I really do. Because <laughs> they're going to well, be like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, there's also like a, a bit of a stigma too. It's almost like if you ask somebody what they're doing, you're like, oh, I'm a journalist. Yeah. And you're like, oh God, we don't want to talk to them now. That's right. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'm always, yeah. yeah, I didn't normally say, I didn't always say that. So they're all sitting around the, yeah, I'm a nurse. Yeah, I'm a police officer. Yeah, I'm a PDA or whatever the lady was. And then somebody mm -hmm. else is doing an, an anesthetist stuff. And they're thinking, please don't ask me. Please don't ask me what I do. <laughs> and then he turned to me and was like, so what do you do? And I was like, um, well, <laughs> interested in pathology. And they were like, oh, okay. I'm thinking, oh God. <laughs> I'm surprised there were cops there at all. Yeah, I think well, I think he was a police officer. He just had that look about him. He mm. like didn't really say what he what he did. It was just like um, they were just asking generally, and it was like the, the women. You know, what women are like it's like yeah, I'm a nurse. Yeah, I do this. I work here. And he was a bit quiet. And I thought, I wonder if he's a police officer. I wonder if that's why he's not really saying very much. And heaving guy was just too busy heaving. God knows what he was doing. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. I hope he's not going into medicine. <laughs> yeah, we always like to say that like there's always one in a group. Yeah, and that's that's who we were going after because yeah. most anything again we were never like being disgusting or disrespectful to a body, no. but you're like there's always someone that's already on the edge. It's like so yeah. all you really had to do was just do enough, <laughs> yeah, to try and tip them over. Who's gonna who's gonna yeah. be puking? Or I think that's probably yeah. worse. I think I would rather see body parts than puke, to be honest. So I think I'd much rather deal with that than yeah than somebody. But that's why I say up. it would it. That's when it would almost become contagious where yeah. you're not sick, but the moment you see someone else get sick, it's going to make you sick. You start to feel sick. a bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's yeah. funny how some people can handle it and some people can't. Yeah. But it's, I think it's super interesting. I think it's a really interesting job. I think, yeah. And that's why I always ask you so many questions because you're super interesting <laughs> to ask questions yeah. to. Yeah. And another, they always, uh, 
they're good for training. They would mm. always put us on a, a decomposed body. Yeah. So when you're first learning all this stuff early on, you're having to deal with a lot of decomps and that, that sort of like builds your tolerance level too, where you're yeah. like, can I do this? Well, if you can do the job while smelling that, yeah, you're good. But they put you on that kind of stuff because there's it, decomps are so broken down anyway. Mm. They're a pain in the ass just only because everything looks, this was something I noticed even on a fresh body. When you first look at the inside, to me, everything looked the same. The same. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. You're like, everything looked the same color. Yeah. Everything. You're just like, I get, you're telling me there's multiple organs in here. It all looks like the same thing. <laughs> looks like the same. Yeah. That carries over to uh, decomps because everything starts breaking down and it quite literally starts looking everything the same. Everything oh, really? starts looking the same color. Yeah. Um, And you're like, oh God. And, and everything becomes very fragile, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where you start putting, trying to put every, you you know, you can grab a lung a little too tightly. Yeah. No more, no more tight than you would ever grab a regular one, mm. but you grab it to cut it out and then you just feel you're like grabbing into it. Like it starts yeah. breaking down and you're like, oh shit. But I mean, that's really interesting, isn't it? How, I mean, how that even happens. I think the whole, the, how a body kind of breaks down is actually, that's really interesting. The way that the, you know, your, the bacteria that's in your gut that's, that doesn't erode and eat itself when you're alive, then begins to digest you from the inside side as mm-hmm. you know when you're dead and i'm like that's mm-hmm. just like it's super impressive how how your body does all these different things and i think it's i know some people find it really gross and some people find that it, they can't tolerate it and that's totally understandable i i get it yeah but i also think that i don't know how you can't see that that's really interesting i don't know how that doesn't interest people you know it's really weird and i don't know how else to even like because there, there's just some people that's always going to be like no no yeah no yeah all I can really say is you say no until you step in a room one day because mm. uh, most people would probably say no. Mm. Yeah. But then I you think, put them yeah. in a room one day and they're like, some of them are still going to be like, yeah, but <laughs> even, but you'll get some people who said no, who are suddenly like, oh, yeah, like, that's interesting. And somebody's got to do the job. I mean, it's a job, unfortunately, it's a job that somebody has to, has to do. So there's going to be people that can handle it and there's going to be people that can't. And I suppose you have to find a way. I wanted to learn first before I decided to go and apply for these things. Can I do it? Can I handle it? I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say that if you, you're faced with a deep, I mean, you, people have smelt like animals that have decomposed and stuff and it's a horrible smell. When you've got a whole human decomposing, it's not going to be a nice smell. And the fact that you can, because I said to you, I said to you, Dana, on my way home, I was like, is it normal that I can still taste it and smell it and you were like yeah that's that's normal and I found out that sometimes if you from another friend of mine that works in a pathology place and a mortuary and he said like if you if you work with decomposed bodies and you work with um and and you're working with them a lot you tend to sometimes absorb the smell yourself and so then later on that smell kind of comes out of you like when you're having a poo sometimes it it smells like decomposition and I was like oh really and he was like yep something you've got to know about and I was like oh great thank you for that fact yeah. I, <laughs> I think like, it can Ew. it can get in like your hair too mm. and that's why you can because and I think that's even partially why even like your nose hairs like that's why you can almost smell it later but it also might just be you may just have to like wash your hair sometimes yeah to kind of get it out and maybe like rinse out your nose or <laughs> neti pot or something. And that's How why, funny. because yeah. it, it can get into uh, like your clothes too. Yeah. Um, any kind of like your hair, like fibers, it can, it can get there and stick around. So it's like, yeah, if you're, if you really want to get rid of the smell, um, <laughs> 
wash your hair, wash your clothes, <laughs> neti pot, whatever, like yeah. it, all the little things that it can stick. It's crazy, isn't it? Stuff you don't even yeah. think about. And even like when you were talking about uh, like gallows humor. Yeah. Randomly, I got a message from, I, I did get a message like two days ago. Someone w- was asking about just various things with the job mm. and like they had I don't know if they'd interned or like maybe it was like a spin a week with the coroner's office in like Colorado or something like that. And they were talking about, they're like, is it normal for people to say X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, that's uh, I was like, what you just described is a very tame version of mm. the kind of stuff that I would hear. Like there's jokes. I wish I, I don't know, maybe I could say them. They're, they're not really jokes. Again, they were never jokes on the person. It was just no. like someone would just like riff off something one day and you're like, what the hell did you just say? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like there was a, this one's fairly tame. There was a case we were working where he came in and his medical history was that uh, he had uh, HIV or AIDS mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. But when you looked at the guy, you know, I guess maybe you have something in your head about what that kind of person might look like. Yeah, of course. This guy looked f- pretty healthy. Yeah. And you're just, and we started, and you know, we, we work on every case as if they have HIV, you know. Yeah. PPE and stuff you wear. Mm-hmm. So we start working on it and there's the investigator standing next to me and the doctor is uh doing her exam and she's going over everything and she just takes a step back and she was like she's like this guy looks really good to have HIV. Mm. And uh there's a pause and the investigator standing next to me and he just shrugs and he was like yeah doc so does Magic Johnson. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're just like damn. What? <laughs> And like that, you're just like right on. That was a good one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think that anybody. It's the same with like war and stuff. I don't think you can necessarily comment and get involved unless you're unless you're there and you're involved in it. And I think with something like that, obviously, if that's your family member, you're going to be a bit upset because you're upset and the people are making a joke, not necessarily at the expense of that person. But I think you know you've got to give those people a break. They work in some horrific circumstances, and sometimes that's just the way that they cope with it. Fire fighters are the same they have the same the same thing it's just you don't understand until you're doing something like that you know you get used to it and you've been doing it for a long time and you're used to seeing bodies of different stages of decomposition and and different certain types of death and stuff like that eventually you do kind of get used to it but I think you have to kind of make it easy on yourself as well because it isn't a nice job it's not it's not something that you you know you can talk to everybody about either that's the other thing it's not something you can mention to people that you definitely that that's something that you do because they don't always understand and it's you know the processes and stuff they don't always understand so i don't think it's well then i've got that sense of humor so i think it's, i don't yeah. see anything wrong with it so the only other one that like that really made me laugh where i was like jesus um again it wasn't a joke necessarily on the person it was this was 2017 and i only know that because that was the year like the falcons went to the super bowl okay <laughs> and we had this guy come in that day uh, the day after the super bowl and like the Falcons blew it completely okay. blew the, that game. Oh, and we had a case come in the, the following day and okay. Oh dear. So this guy comes in and he was, uh, it was written, you know, we write like a one liner on the board of what okay, they overdosed, yeah. homicide, gunshot, whatever. Yeah. This one was written as like a, as choking. 
Okay. We were like, oh, choking. You don't see chokings quite often No. on the boards. So we're like, hmm, choking. We're in the middle of morning rounds. So all the doctors and all the investigators have walked in. They're going over the cases for the day. And they get to this guy and they're just like, this guy choked. They're like, how'd he choke? They grab his report and start reading it. They're like, oh, apparently uh, it was during the Falcons game. Oh, no. And he was he was cheering for the Falcons and he was getting pissed off at the game and he choked on a piece of candy oh god and died and you're like huh and i mean who whoever said i can't remember i think it was a doctor who said it it could have been an investigator Mm. the timing was just so like whoa (laughs) because what they they're like yeah he choked on a piece of candy watching the falcons game and someone just chimed in they were just like yeah he's not the only one that choked during that game Like I was laughing so hard. Yeah. I was like, I've got to walk out of the morning. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, you'll get the, yeah gallows humor yeah and i think it's just one of those things that unless you're sort of in that job i don't really think you understand it and it may seem yeah. like it's not very it's not very nice but i i can understand why it's a thing yeah i mean and again every so often you would get well rare that someone would actually make a joke at the expense of somebody yeah but even if they did it would be more of a groaner where you're just like yeah try harder next time dude that's right yeah it wouldn't be celebrated no no that's right the, the jokes that made you laugh were the ones like the magic johnson joke where yeah. you're just like jesus man when he probably didn't even mean it to be that funny and it actually is really funny and he didn't actually mean it to be quite as funny yeah. as it was sometimes just like it's just the, the tone of voice and you're just <laughs> yeah. like I, I can't keep it together anymore <laughs> Yeah. So as far as like what I can recall, because I didn't really have like a, well, there wasn't really like a first me cutting an autopsy. There was a series of me practicing, Mm. but actually viewing it, I just, I do remember walking in the room one day and that probably the first day on the job, like I was probably, I think I wore my suit the first day on the job and walked into the morgue and I was just looking around and they were like, and there's like, you know, three, four doctors in the morgue. There's investigators coming in and out. You know, my first day I'm meeting 10, 20 people, new people I've never met before. And I can't remember the names of the faces yet. So all this stuff's going around. Meanwhile, you're you're trying to remember that. And also they're like, yeah, you're going to be doing X, Y, and Z. And you're like, I'm what? (laughs) Yeah. So you start looking at, yeah. Yeah. And you start looking at it and you start almost overly focusing on it yeah. because you're like, okay, I have to deal with this. I need to make sure I can deal with this because- yeah, I don't Put remember you on the that spot, being really. Yeah, and then yeah, you you look at it and you're like, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'll just give it a go. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, and I mean, sometimes we would get people who would start the job. They knew what they would have to do because at a certain point, like the longer I was there and other investigators, we would start really getting on the managers and supervisors. Like, hey, when you hire these people, please tell them what they're going to be doing. Yeah, definitely. Because we didn't know. No. And it'd be nice to know. But even then, like you would get people who you tell them what they had to do. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. And we had this, this girl was a sweetheart and she was really pretty too. Yeah. And she started this job and she knew exactly what it was. She used to work, she worked security at the GBI. Oh, okay. So she was in she and was, out yeah. all the time. She knew what it was. Yeah. And so she, a uh, position came open and she applied and they, they trained her on investigations first and she did great. Yeah. Like she, she picked it up really quickly. She was smart. And then she had some, I don't know exactly. They didn't say exactly what happened. But she was on scene. Mm. and 
had some, I don't even know if you'd even call it an incident. Just she, again, she was one of those, she, she claimed she saw the body twitch or something like that. And, uh, and I think maybe like maybe some of the family members had gotten maybe a little snippy with her. It it was just an overall, just sometimes you catch a bad scene or not a great scene, but that one kind of really bugged her after that. And she kept bringing up the body twitch thing again. And I'm like, that's just not, no, no, it's not. So they got it. They're like, well, how about this? Maybe we're going to put you in the morgue and get you around the bodies more and see how mm. you deal with it. And she did that for maybe a week. And she was like, no, no. I don't so she do had this. worked with us, you know, she, she, she would have otherwise have been a good investigator. Yeah. But after I think a month of investigations and then a week in the morgue, she was just like, nope. That's that's that. And that's unfortunately how you lose a lot of investigators. Yeah. Uh, At least that's how GB because GBI made you do both. Yeah. So and they're and they're such two different jobs. Yeah. People come in. Oh, I'm going to be an autopsy tech. I I know what that job is. I know. Yeah. 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 I got my head around that. Um, It's not like, oh, you're hired as an ME investigator. But you're also going to do this. It's like (laughs) it's it's not what people typically sign up for, even if if they go to any other agency. Mm. It's going to be completely different. Yeah. They're going to sign up to for the one job and that's the one job they'll do. Yeah. It's like that's so finding people that are good at can stomach both and then are also good at both. Yeah, it's hard. Which would you choose if you had to choose? Which would you choose to do? Um autopsy tech. Yeah. Just because you always you would go in you you'd come in every day and you'd look at the board of mm. cases and you know what your day was going to be. Yeah. Uh, you're like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. That would be, that's my day. I'm going to work. I'm going to cut three or four cases. Mm. And that's that. Investigations, at least, I, may, I might change my mind now. Sounds like they have it made now that mm. they don't have to go to scenes. But investigations, when I was there, you could be taking case calls all day. And then suddenly, and you don't know exactly what's going to come in. No, that's true. Um, and you're the phone could be ringing off the hook and yeah. you can't even you're taking three, four, five, six cases and you're barely having time to write them up while mm. it just won't stop ringing. And then all of a sudden you get a scene thrown in on top of that. Yeah. Half an hour before you do to finish. Yeah. And you <laughs> you have to stop everything. Yeah. So that would be and that was enough. That was a problem with mixing the positions, too, yeah. because you would be scheduled to be in the morgue and you'd bust your ass all day and you'd finish. And, you know, you're there from seven to five and you'd finish up around three or four. Yeah. And you just go sit at your desk and you're like, oh, I'm done. I, I've got some downtime. Well, meanwhile, the phone's ringing off the hook. But you're like, I was in the I was in the morgue today. Yeah. And someone's like, well, can you help answer the phone and take cases? And they would get pissy with you. But you're yeah. like, you didn't come in and cut any of my cases. No, like, that's right. And it 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 formed this kind of like almost childish stuff where people would start complaining to supervisors. They're like, he could have answered the phone and or she could have answered the phone. Like they were doing it over everybody. Yeah. They're like, why couldn't they do this? Like, this is why you don't need to combine the positions no. because there's too many people start acting like children that think that they're entitled to help, even though they didn't help anybody else. Yeah, it's 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 two completely different jobs, isn't it? It doesn't sound like it. It yeah. works very well being combined. So the Emmy investigator part, like I loved it. I mm. I was I liked writing up the cases, and I was I was really good at writing that kind mm. of stuff and thinking about thinking sort of my way through the case and thinking what needed to be in the report and didn't. That was always that was the most fun to me. Yeah. And but the job as a whole, you don't know what your day is going to be like. No, and then you never you, know what's some, coming in. Yeah. And then you'd have to be on call at night. Oh, yeah. There's that as well, isn't there? Yeah. And then on top of that, that just would be. 
that would just become stressful where being an autopsy tech. You know what you're doing, don't you? You know what's scheduled. You know what's coming in. You know what you're up to. You don't have that sudden surprise of, oh, yeah, let's go on scene now. Yeah. Working in the morgue, seeing that kind of or having stuff get thrown in at the end of the day um, when you think you're done. Mm. It happened, but it didn't happen as near much. as often yeah. Yeah, as being an investigator and having to just stop everything yeah, <laughs> to go crazy. handle something. It's cool, though. I think it's really cool. Yeah. It's really interesting. I love talking to you. It's always interesting. Yeah. And I think that's all I really got. Oh, thank you, though. Thank you for having me. It's been really lovely. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. And again, this is, I always just say, like, I call this corpse chat. Yeah. More as a joke. Yeah. But it'll also, I would love it to be an ongoing thing. If So if anybody wants to talk about it, again, there's people I worked with at GBI who themselves would love to come on. Yeah, but they but can't. GBI, they yeah. can't. Um, but there's th- there's always an open invitation to them, to yeah. other podcasters, to anyone in the field. Like anyone yeah. that, that wants to talk is like, yeah, we can talk about anything you want. That's really cool. I think that's great. It gives people a really good insight. I think it's a really good, really good thing. Yeah. And it and that's where you look at people like Nicole and Jimmy mm. or and Jimmy. They're helping normalize this yeah, kind of stuff. Like definitely. People can be like, oh, that's weird. It's like, it's weird to some people. I was like, but other people, it's like, this is what you do. Yeah, that's right. Like her and then uh what's her Elena from uh Morbid. Yes. Yeah. 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 Look, the people out there do the job and talk about it. You're like, good for them. Like yeah. that's that's right. That's what they do. It's. I think it's great. I think it's really good. I think we should yeah. normalize it. I don't think it should be such a taboo subject. I think it's a really good. It's a really good thing because it happens to everybody. Everyone's going to experience it at some point in their lives, whether it's happening around them or whether it's going to happen to them. You've, it's going to happen. So I think it's a good thing to more normalize it and make it not such a not such a that quiet subject to just shy away from. Yeah. And again, having said that, that's all I've really got for this one. It was thank you yeah. for coming on again, Cherry. Thank you. And yeah, the moment you were like, I'm going to see an autopsy. I was like, <laughs> well, we're recording. That's what we're about to do. Because you just saw it uh, this past Tuesday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and we're recording it. on Friday now. I was yeah. like, we have to do it as soon as possible afterwards so you can retain. Yeah. So I don't forget all the stuff. I've forgotten yeah. loads already. I know I have because I was trying to remember on the way home. Like, I must remember that. And I've forgotten yeah. already. But I didn't think it was good to take a notebook in. It looks a bit too keen, doesn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. That or probably did they i doubt they even let you carry a cell phone in no nothing no it was like bare from the elbows down no rings no watches it was literally nothing no bags anything everything was all kept outside so that's good i understand that i couldn't get why yeah and with that uh thank you all for listening thank you cherry once again for coming on and i will see you guys next time